0: Howdy and welcome to the 10 week Bible study. This is week six, day one of our study of 2 Corinthians. I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and today we're talking about 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7. Well, welcome back to the 10 week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs. And before we get started, I want to encourage you to remember to read 2 Corinthians 10 times in 10 weeks. So we've got this week and four more after that. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't started, Commit to reading the book of Second Corinthians four times or five times over the next five weeks here. This really will transform your relationship with God's Word. It really does change how you see His Word and how you see Him. With that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your Word has to say to us. God, speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's show me to God's word to be reading today from the NIV. This is 2 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Now to set the context here, what Paul is talking about is he's in kind of Macedonia. He's coming through Macedonia on the way down to Corinth, but spending a little bit extra time on his way there, writing this letter. And again, we kind of discussed the beginning of this, as far as the timing of this, and how many letters there might have actually been. Uh, it's very possible that there could have been multiple letters, um, kind of stuck together in, in what we now have as Second Corinthians, and and that doesn't take anything away from Scripture at all. I mean taking two of Paul's letters to the same people and pushing them into one, one thing that we have here is it doesn't change the the value or veracity of the scripture itself. Uh, but uh, and, and we'll see when we get into chapter nine next week how that might have played out and why some scholars think that why others don't think that uh, n- not as big a deal to just reading through it over and over again uh, and getting the understanding of what's going on here. But the, the backstory here it does uh, require a little bit of extra Bible knowledge reading Book of Acts and some of the other things that Paul's written. We understand that they are giving money to the saints in Jerusalem. So Paul is taking up a collection. He's done this from the Macedonian churches. He's done it from like Galatia, some other places. He's gathering money to deliver to Jerusalem. And it's not as easy. like you know it I know that we all know this, right that they didn't have credit cards and bank accounts and wire transfers back then. but it, it's it's good to remind ourselves that collecting money in Paul's day, wasn't as easy as just sending a check and letting the automatic, you know, bank transfer system take care of it. No, you actually had to take money. You had to take bags of money of probably coins and things like that. Um, Think about what a big deal this is, that they are going everywhere that they're going, traveling through the ancient world with bags of money. Now, everybody did this, right? Everybody had to have bags of money back then because, there, again, there was no credit cards, no checks. And so everyone's got money on them, but they are traveling with a lot of extra money because they're taking up offerings from these various churches and then traveling with that money on their way back to Jerusalem. And what we're going to see Paul do here is he's going to actually compare them in this chapter to the Macedonians. He can compare the Corinthians to the Macedonians. And he's priming them in this chapter and the next, priming them, getting them ready. So we're going to show up. We're going to ask you to donate to the church in Jerusalem. They were going through a lot of hardships for various reasons. And, uh, and so they're taking up a collection to take back as an offering to the church in Jerusalem and again this is not about building programs and things like that back then this is actually about supporting you know people's felt needs and things like that uh widows and 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 all of those things that we've seen in the book of acts and in other places in the new testament again this is not about a building campaign this is about actually taking care of people that are suffering for various reasons, famine, uh, persecution, all of those kinds of things. It was it was very common, especially in Jerusalem. You were in, in a in bad shape if you became a Christian because you're kicked out of the synagogue system. And if you're kicked out of the synagogue system in the temple, you're very likely to lose whatever business you have if you're going into the markets in a place like Jerusalem where it's controlled by nothing but Jews. And so all of a sudden, if the the Pharisees and Sadducees say, hey, you're no longer one of us, you're a traitor, you've joined this sect or whatever, uh, they could shun you and ostracize you and you can't do business anymore. Like you can't get jobs, you can't trade at the market. There's all of these things that you can no longer do. That's not necessarily true everywhere else where the market's controlled by Gentiles or the, the workforce and all those kind of things. And so this is a specific thing to Jerusalem and so they're they're taking this collection and he's going to say hey the the Macedonian church they are like they're going through their own their own persecution. Uh they're having a hard time just like the people in Jerusalem, maybe not quite as bad, but he's like they they gave even in the midst of a very severe trial. And I think it's it's um I think we can look at this, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, can we say, is Paul playing this up to get the Corinthians to give? Maybe. Maybe he's doing that. But I feel like the guy in this book, when he's going to talk about his severe trials, and and when he lists them all out, they're very severe. That When he says that the Macedonian church is going through very, very severe trials, quote-unquote, um, I think we take him seriously on that. I don't think he's just trying to spin this up to get more money out of the Corinthians. I think he's being honest. I, I think he's actually telling them they are, they've they given a lot, um, as we're about to see here, even more than what Paul thought they were able to give, maybe what they even should have given based on what they were going through. So let's continue on there. Verse three, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Verse four, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by w- the will of God, also to us. So, so what he's saying is the the Macedonians like that they're going through this really bad trial. They gave more than then they were able That at least Paul, this is his opinion. I think, I think that they're giving more than they were actually able, maybe more than they should have. They exceeded Paul and everyone with them, they exceeded their expectations in how much they gave, right? Paul, again, this cannot be, as we go through this chapter and the next chapter, I cannot stress this highly enough. Paul is not asking them to donate to his ministry, in this situation. He's not asking them to donate to his, his like, you know, Learjet fund. He's not asking them to donate to some massive building campaign, you know, where they're going to name the building after some benefactor or whatever. That's not how any of this is working. The, the building campaigns, uh, they do start in the early church, but they don't start for another 150 ish years. Um, one of the first actual church buildings. Now, now, that's not to say that there weren't church buildings and that they didn't meet in places and rent spaces from time to time. All of that was real. They rented spaces. They did things. We know that in the book of Acts, we know that Paul rented spaces for years at a time where he was. It's not that buildings aren't important. I'm not trying to say that. What I want to make is a very clear distinction between what Paul is doing here and just a lot of the sleaziness that we see nowadays and it's not that asking for a building campaign is sleazy, but it, I think you get what I'm saying is there's all sorts of the uh, sleazy asks from uh, from, especially like televangelist type people. Every, you know, you've, you've probably got some things spinning in your mind right now as far as what they've asked for money for and then what people have exposed, what they actually use the money for. So, I mean, all that kind of stuff goes on and it's impossible to read this without all of that baggage in our mind coming into play. And I want to say that none of that baggage existed with these guys. Now that's not to say that there weren't shysters and people like that going around for religious purposes saying, Hey, give us money for this new temple to Zeus or whatever. You know, I'm sure that happened The Gentiles. You know, that this has been something that people have always done, right? If you can, if you can, Prey on people's fears or generosity or whatever, and get them to give to you. You you can use and abuse the money, and so I'm sure there were tons of shysters who are like, you know, hey, give to Zeus or whoever their temple, and then they run off to you know Alexandria, Egypt, to have a good time. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that kind of stuff happened. So it's not like the the people in that day never had scams and never had people misuse money. That that's just not true. But we need to to read this a little bit in that context that what Paul's asking for here is not for his own ministry. It's not for some building fund. It's not for his to so that he can sail first class across the Mediterranean. That's not what he's asking for. He's asking to give to the felt needs of the people in Jerusalem because what they're going through. And these people have out of their suffering and what they're going through, they've given uh, an exceptional amount of money already. All right, verse six. So we urge Titus that just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So Titus is, is coming from Corinth. He's like, we sent Titus with with this in mind, knowing that we're coming. We wanted him to prime you. Um, we told Titus, like, we've already told you this, make sure that you Get them to understand what this is going for and how important this giving is, how much need there is in the city of Jerusalem amongst the saints there. And so he's saying, we, we've primed the pump already. We're priming you again. Uh, if chapter nine is in fact another letter, Paul is going to send them another letter priming that pump potentially, or he's just going to, it's a long continuation of this. But this is a big deal. And, and and so, the reason I'm laying this out like this, is because as we read this, I think with the baggage that 21st century Western Christians have when it comes to giving, it's going to hit different for us than I believe it was intended by Paul and it would have hit then. The way that he's going to ask in this chapter is going to sound sleazy if you're used to having the perception that all of these people that are asking for money in the ways that they do are kind of sleazy. And, and I just want to say that's not the cultural context in which Paul was asking. Now he's going to ask in some, I think even in that context, some very interesting ways. He's going to say some things that I think are almost even shocking, but I, I think they're powerful. If we understand them in light of who we are as Christians and who Paul knows he's talking to. That's, that's the framework we need to understand this chapter. In this chapter is going to be incredibly offensive. If you've had, if you've been burned by people in church with money, it's going to be incredibly offensive if you even haven't been burned by people, but you've watched, you know, televangelists get caught and doing all sorts of stuff. And that causes you irritation. I, I have just, I've heard so many stories, talked to so many people, about them leaving church, leaving Christianity, never going back to church, but still being Christians and just all sorts of iterations that based on uh, money and power dynamics that just go really messed up within church circumstances, that's over decades. So I know there's a very high likelihood that many of you listening uh, you have, have felt the sting, you felt the pain of, of abuses of money or power or just all sorts of different things in churches. And, you know, and if that's you, I would love for you to reach out to me. I would love to hear some of your story um, because it, it is uh, those kinds of things. They, they can mark you. Uh, they can change you. They can give you such a distrust and distaste. And so, I would love to hear uh, just a a little bit of your story. Send an email, all of my contact information in the show notes in the description. I really would love to hear some of your stories on this um, because what we're going to read in this chapter, it really will be colored by those kinds of stories that I know so many of you probably have because based on the number of people that I've talked to with those kinds of stories, it's, it's not small. It's not a small number of people. It's not everybody. And I don't even know if it's the majority of people, but it's not a small number. And so I would love to hear from you on that again, because what we're going to see Paul say here in this chapter is going to be a bit shocking if we're carrying any kind of that baggage. All right. For the 10 Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time.